Hello, I'm Limo Manley. I'm here with Roisin de Butler. We met a number of years ago. There's a coffee shop in Ranala called Nick's and it's a shed. Myself and my friend Dearmwoods would go to Nick's and we'd talk about everything and nothing. The Ranala Arts Centre was upstairs and, um, and one day I met Roisin and Roisin said, I have some work upstairs. So she said, I'd like you to come and see some work that I have up there. And up there she had instruments basically made of glass, but they weren't pre, they weren't prescribed instruments. They're not uh, tuned, is yeah. what I say. They don't, they don't, mm. uh, they don't play scales or they yeah. don't, they're not um, uh, instruments. I call them sound objects, I think, mm. although, you know, an instrument is something that plays sound, but yeah. they also have, um, a look to them yeah. and the, the form and the colour is also an important part of the yeah. of the object. Um, but the reason why I wanted you to see them was to see, because I, I, knew, I knew the sounds that they were making, or I thought I knew the sounds yeah. they were making. <laughs> um, and I wanted to see what you thought and what you might think of, of playing them. And God, I remember the day you came up and like everything, everything, even the objects that weren't objects, you were turning them into things that you could play. I, you know, it's an extraordinary thing. I have this compulsion to find the sweet spot in things. And it might be a chair or a box or anything, but I kind of, I do, I, I go for the sweet spot. I don't know what it is. It's, I think it's, I think it's probably because I'm a, I'm, I'm a, a Bauron player and, you know, you've got so many, you've got this big face of skin and, You've got so many places that you can get different voices. And there, after a while, you realize, you know, there's a note that resonates and that the whole instrument resonates. And I'm a singer and, you know, your voice resonates, your whole body resonates and um, whistle too. There's always resonance. So, mm. so you got the right man for the job. And mm. I was delighted. And, and so you had, these, you had these incredible things called yop-yops, which which were based on, on a Japanese toy, was it? Um, no, it's actually an instrument um, from the Edo period. Oh, yeah. um, uh, it was originally a, a Japanese yeah. instrument. And um, I discovered them as a toy yes. for children. Okay. Um, I went to Japan in 1986 um, and made an exhibition over there. Um, I, I travelled with another uh, glassblower um, called Roshi Phelan. And we had my mentor and tutor, Elizabeth uh, McClure, from, who actually came to Ireland and taught me here, mm-hmm. um, had moved to Japan and we, we were organised this exhibition over there and um, anyway this was a toy that was for sale and it was about um, say four inches tall Mm -hmm. and very very thin little um, stem Stem. on it and then um, a semi half a sphere Mm -hmm. at the bottom of that stem it was Mm -hmm. all hollow and very decorative and um, you gave it to children and the the glass was so thin that when they sucked it it made a pinging sound and this was a phenomenon that was very common and uh, you know just the idea of giving a, a, a child a glass toy was you know fantastic to me I just thought was amazing yeah. but the sound I had never left me and um, of course you know we tried to make them and you know it, it, it's, it's actually very difficult to make something that fine but yeah. um, it's it, it, uh, it, it's just a phenomenon of science that this glass actually moves and and um, the original kind of make it, it the membrane actually it, it's like tin it's like it goes yeah it kind of 
It retracts. Almost breaks, yeah. yeah it, it, it retracts. It hits a certain, yeah. Well, you're actually stretching the glass. You know, yeah. you're putting so much air into the body of the glass that it actually pops out. It and pops then, and, and then, then it, pops back. Yeah, so it's like a diaphragm Yeah, yeah. Um, that actually moves forward and moves back. Um, but you turned them into a drum, Aye. Um, which was, for a start, you know, I actually know how thin that glass is when I first saw you playing it. You know, this is less than a millimetre thick, this glass. Oh, yeah. Um, way, less. way less. So um, maybe like 10 hairs thick. Yeah. If you could imagine. Yeah. The, the, this whole surface of the drum is 10 hairs thick. And you, you started drumming it with your fingers. Mm. And of course, my first reaction was, you know, it was just an extraordinary sound for a start. And then, you know, what you're doing with your air, the breath that you're filling, the, you're filling the cavity of this object and with changing. air and changing that to create different sounds. Yeah. And that was an extraordinary thing. Play a little bit there, oh, just to yeah. So just to explain, you have you have the stem in your mouth yeah. and you're banging the the membrane the, the membrane on the mm. bottom and then with the different kind of air, you know, changing that sound. Yeah, just beautiful. just bending it. I, I think it's it's there's so much scope for that, and I think it was basically too because you, you you had ones that retraction happened, but there was a few that that it didn't. And and they were the ones that we realised. Oh, we can drum on play this. The, yeah, we can actually play this. And I think it's like, it is like a fairy drum or something. It's, mm. it's, it's just, I love, it. Yeah, I love it. I think also the other thing about the material, you know, glass. of glass mm. is that, you know, that whole fact of banging something that is made of glass. Yeah. It's like everything that you've been told not to do as a child, you yeah. know, watch that glass, you know, be careful of that glass. And the, to actually play it at full, like at full, full passion, yeah. um, sets up a kind of a tension, which is... Riveting. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And it's, 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 it's amazing to play. I've broken a few. Yeah, I? yeah. But um, as you, who's it told you, you're working with glass, be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start? When did, what made you decide on glass? How, how did that... Well, it's really interesting. I, I actually went to the College of Art and Design wanting to do set design. Okay. I had uh, worked with my aunt, Nora Butler, um, in Dublin, mm-hmm. uh, or in, in Bray, on the um, the local theatre uh, group. She would paint all the sets, and I loved going down and painting with her, mm-hmm. you know, these huge big brush marks and mm. these kind of optical illusions that you could create with a couple of strokes yes. that turned into a bed frame or the stairs or Distance. the house. Or, yes. Yeah. Yes. And then with the lighting and everything, it was fascinating. So I was really interested in that. And at mm. the time... It's 1982, you know, the art college was in Kildare Street, which is now, you know, in government buildings. And mm. um, you had to mm. do an interview to get into the art college. And I went to the interview and I said, you know, I want to, I want to do set design. And there was no set design course in oh. Ireland at the time. Okay. And uh, they said, well, the best thing you could do now is to take the craft design course. And then you'd be useful if you went down to the back of the abbey and you could be making things. 
Fair enough. So that was a fine bit of advice. Yeah. Um, I was a maker. I was always a maker. You know, I had yeah. been making from, you know, when I was a tiny kid. Anything and everything. Everything, yeah. yeah. And actually my portfolio was very unorthodox because it had all Fantastic. sorts of things. I had a whole range of... Um, I had done a study on um, Krushvrija, the Bridget's Crosses yes. from around the country, and um, all the different types of uh, Bridget's Crosses that yes. were available. And I had mounted them in my portfolio. Fantastic. And, you know, I mean, to have, I'd say it was full of all sorts of different things anyway that weren't, um, you know, normal kind of things. The so. usual budding artist. Yeah. <laughs> well, there yeah. certainly weren't a lot of sketches, I can tell you that much. Yeah. So anyway, in I went. Exciting. And the craft design course um, was glass, metal and ceramics. They were the three mediums that were being taught. Okay. And in the first year, you had you had to do all three of them. You had yeah. to um, go around and try them. And um, ceramics I'd had some experience of, um, but I just didn't like the clay, the wet, the, all that mucky stuff. Mm. Um, and I went into the glass department and I saw this guy, um, uh, Pascal Fitzpatrick, he was a student in the in the college at the time and he was glass blowing. And he was making something on the bench and he pulled this big gob of glass out of the furnace, a big mm -hmm. orange ball. It, it's yes. like honey when it's... Orange with, with heat. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like honey when, yeah. it's, when it's hot, you know. Yeah. And um, so anyway, he blew it and he made a, a, some kind of a vessel and this all took, you know, maybe 50 minutes at the time. And in the last minute, it fell on the floor and broke into millions of pieces. Okay. And I thought it was the most magical thing. That e even the falling. On the oh, the falling yeah. off was the magic. Was the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that it had come out, you You've know, got as the this, job. of yeah. this big, soft, you know, yeah. runny stuff. And yeah. then suddenly it was this shattered glass pieces all over the floor, you yeah. know. So um, I just started hanging around the glass department then and I just was addicted, absolutely addicted to it. And I have been addicted to it ever since. Yeah. Mm. There's a bowl there and I'd love you to, to, to just play with it i'll just figure out what key kind of you're in it's it's so i'll describe it it's um it's opaque white and at the bottom you can see through it's a very beautiful form it's it's a bowl but it's 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 off perfection and it's uh it's oval and the and the the, the rim has a wave formation it's it's not a, it's not a straight straight is it it's no not, no it's no. not it has been it's carved it's carved yeah, yes it's carved so it dips down on one side yeah yeah so I've, we've been using it as, as a kind of a percussion instrument but also i'd sing into it a little bit and get and resonate with the thing but let's just see just see where we might go with it there
That's interesting. That's the first time I've actually played it with yeah. you. Because you you always play it. I'm never brave enough to play. Good. I'm glad I forced you over. I mean, I, you, you got into it there. It was lovely. It was lovely. I, I, I just believe in... You've got to have rhythm to walk. Well, interesting. You have to have rhythm to, to be able it. to blow glass. You do. Yeah. Big time. I, I, it's the most musical thing I've ever seen next to music because... Well, it's a dance. It's a dance between mm. about four or five people, isn't yeah. it? There's the blower, but then there's the people around and everyone seems to know. They move in synchronicity. Yeah. yeah. But also every single thing you do with molten glass mm. um, has everything you do with your body determines what's happening with the molten glass. Yeah. So you use gravity, you use yes. um, centrifugal force, you use, you know, all of that physical movement yeah. um, to rhythm, create obviously. and rhythm. Yeah. Mm. And when you're working in tandem with other people, you have to have that rhythm, particularly when you're exchanging the pipe or twisting or, you know, the, the pipe has to keep moving all the time. Yeah. Um, and actually, I spent an awful lot of time doing ballet growing up. Mm. And um, it's... It has it, it's you know fills your body when you when you learn it from a very early age ballet. and yeah mm. well mm. any kind of dance yeah and you yeah. know you end up then you have being a able to move it yeah, yeah. you you can move around a space uh, quite freely yeah. but also you know if you watch a a, a factory full of men who are working they're also incredible you know yes. movers who I've always remember the lads down in Waterford you know yeah. you, you know even big you know heavy yes. heavy men would would also be have that kind of grace when they're moving with the glass. It's do or die, isn't it? Mm. It's a, well, yeah, yeah. The nature of it, it'll it'll break, it'll burn you, it'll so many aspects, and and not for the faint-hearted. You've got to be good for the gig, don't you? Yeah, you've got to yeah, be, yeah. You've got there's to a, be. There's able. a lot of physicality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> if you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age, or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, Remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway. Keeping Ireland connected. Here's your chance to win a top-of-the-range smartphone, a Doro 8050, designed specifically for seniors. Doro are market leaders in creating phones with clearer sound and larger text, one that's protected if it falls or can alert others if you do, and makes staying in touch with family and friends simple and enjoyable. At Doro, they are dedicated to helping seniors live a better life without compromise. Doro helped to make ageing an independent, secure and rich part of life. As you know, age is just a number. All you need to do to win a Doro 8050 smartphone, kindly provided by Doro, is go to the website www.seniortimes.ie and follow the instructions. To see the full range of Doro phones, visit www.doro.com. The lucky winner will be announced on the Senior Times Facebook page. Doro Phones, making technology easy for all. Say hello to our Premium Plus e-paper bundle interactive replica edition of the Irish Independent, Sunday Independent and The Hurled. Every paper, every day, delivered to your tablet, phone or desktop for less than €3.50 per week. Subscribe at independent.ie.
up close and independent. You're from an artistic family, aren't you, on both sides, really? Yeah, very far back, you yeah. know, generations and generations yeah. um, uh, in my mother's family, who are actually um, English and German. My mother's yeah. mother's family are English and German, and they, they were, you know, amazing. One was a painter um, who was a mentor to the pre-Raphaelites, uh, Ford Maddox Brown, and a writer, Ford Maddox Ford, very famous writer. Famous writer, And yeah. um, then my grandfather, again on my mother's side, my mother's father was Charles Lamb, the painter. Mm. And um, so on her her side, she grew up herself with, a, with an artist father and a very, you know, different kinds of rhythm of life, really. And yeah. um, very much he settled in the west of Ireland in Connemara and, uh, in Carrow. And so she grew up in Carrow. And um, although both her parents didn't speak any Irish at the time, yes. um, she went to school here and, uh, and spoke Irish and learned Irish. And then my father, who was born in Wicklow, County Wicklow, and um, lived with uh, his seven brothers and sisters, um, his father was a linguist. And mm. uh, he was a colonel in the army, but his passion was languages. And mm. um, so they spoke Irish at home. And then my mother and father met um, in Carrow, actually. And uh, they ended up then speaking Irish between themselves. And I never heard them speak English together, really. And we mm. were brought up speaking Irish, so. Right. Um, and my father is Eamon Butler, and um, mm. he... Household name... At, uh, at in, our time. At our time, exactly, in, in the time. 60s and 70s, yeah. 80s. Um, a muffin spare is, would be probably, th- those of the many who don't speak Irish know how to say a muffin spare. Yeah, well, it was a bilingual programme, actually, yeah. but a lot of people don't even realise that he was speaking Irish. Um, yes. You know, he, he he did the filming. A lot of people think he was the draw- the person who was doing the drawings, but it yeah. wasn't him. He mm. had a partner called Gerard van Gelderen, who was a Dutch mm. um, graphic designer, and um, they were both passionate about birds and nature. Mm. And um, Dad started off on radio, actually, with, um, with music, playing music, mm-hmm. um, records. Right. Um, he was passionate uh, musician and um, he had a great collection of of um, 78s and he would then borrow 78s from other people when he got the gig to do it in radio mm-hmm. and then when the television started they asked him would he do something on music and he's he um, sure he didn't know anything about filming or you know hadn't a clue but um, his friend his Dutch uh, friend Gerrit um, also didn't know very much but he at least had a camera and yeah. um, they used to initially start that programme in the studio where they would sit together and chat about birds and yes. bring in I heard brought in a bird at one point and it was flying around the studio <laughs> um, and then they went out and started making film films so they were kind of growing with the television station as yes. they were growing although they were always independent they always had to sell their programme to the okay. station right up until the time oh, he died oh my yeah. goodness right. never never employed um, by the by the station so it was he, always a pitch. There was always every year amazing. a pitch, and in January and February was nightmare in our house because we never knew whether we would have another gig or not. Or so the food would be on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it's, it's a strange thing, you know. Mm. Even as a very established filmmaker, that was always the case, and I think. You know, that sort of set us up, actually, you know, for a life of um, uncertainty in, in art and uh, yes. and being able to deal with that and, and knowing that... I, I've, I've said this quite a lot over the last number of months, you have to trust the process, Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, that at some point or other it'll come good, but you have to just go with it and not 
not worry yourself yeah. too much that yeah. it'll, that'll happen if you trust yourself and trust the process. Very much so. It's the life the life of the artist. I mean, the, these these extraordinary times have challenged many people, but I think those of us who are who live this way, who I kind of describe the financial side of of what I do as just tidal. It's tidal. The, the tide goes out, and it goes out good and far, and you mightn't even be able to see it, but it it does come in. Yeah. There, there's a rhythm to it of sorts, and. So the work can be sparse and then the work comes in and and we get chances to express ourselves in different ways. And you just never know what project is going to bear fruit for you personally first, I think. It's it's important that 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 you see the fruit of your work in the work. I got very dismayed in the eighties when I my band were were making music and we were buzzing off this music that we were making we were it was so exciting and that was all I needed I, I trusted that everything else would come with that mm. and uh, but I noticed that musicians heads were turning and they were looking at the numbers rather rather than looking at the work and uh, I just think um, I would always say to people just keep an eye on the work and the rest will come um, it might not be exactly the numbers you might be hoping for, but it comes, I think. I do believe it comes. I mean, people die of hunger and stuff, but what do you think? It is It is all about the work. Mm. And, you know, even, I mean, I have made my living from, from my artwork all my life, but you wouldn't believe it hearing me say that, you know, that I don't, that the, that the money isn't, the money, of course, is important. We have to raise our kids and pay for your mortgages and everything else like everybody else. Yeah. But when I'm making work, it is really about the work and about, you know, what comes out of that and how, and that's what really drives me. Feeling you get Yeah, it's it. absolute passion coming out mm, mm. Um, when you have an idea about something and, you know, being able to um, collaborate with people, you know, drives that even more. And that's what's really, has been really exciting about us working together. Yeah. Um, you know, being able to sort of, Again, trust each other in the process of being yeah. able to create work and particularly in live performance, um, mm. uh, see that creativity evolving by just, you know, riffing or, or playing with that emotion in a way that you can create an atmosphere that is particular to that place and moment. Yeah, I'd like to know more about um, your grandfather, Charles, who came to, he came to Connemara. He was from Portadown. His family um, had a big painting and decorating business in Portadown, mm-hmm. um, the Lambs, and they were very successful. Um, and he had a brother, Arthur, and his father, John. And he, you know, had served his apprenticeship as a painter and decorator. Mm-hmm. And then he went to the college um, in Dublin and he had, you know, tutors like he, um, Keating and... Same college, basically, same as college. you went to. Yeah, yeah. same college, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's still going, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but it's not, it's not, in, it's not in Kildare Street it's, anymore. It's, yeah. in, it's in Thomas Street now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was in, actually in the what the government buildings are now. Yeah. That's, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Not in the, you know, the big roundel um, at the National Library there. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we used to go in, past the National Library, in the back, into the side door there. Okay. And um, yeah, it was a warren of rooms. So your uncle was Pather Lamb 
my my mother knew your uncle very well and I met him a fair few times. My father knew him also quite well. And Pather actually told me my name, Omayan Lee, means gentle warrior. Really? I, yeah. yeah. He was the one I can I can picture him telling me in the United Arts Club in Fitzwilliam. Street. Street. Fantastic place. Yeah, fantastic place. <laughs> you could lose yourself there quick you enough. Many's, many's the family has been challenged by that place, but um, ours included. But I remember Pather telling me that, yeah, your name is Omayan Lee. So, and I remember him telling me I, I had a, I spent a very pleasant um, week in his company and his wife in in Spain at a festival there. Oh, yeah, and my, and my and aunt, auntie, uh, Mary, was Mary, there as well, yeah, yeah. Wickedly wonderful woman. Fantastic woman, yeah. I've never yeah. seen a spark in a woman like... <laughs> Like, in her eyes, yeah. in her presence and everything. And, you know, I don't know at the time whether she was playing the harmonica, but I, she, she has taught herself the harmonica in the last four years. Well, I that think. doesn't... Nothing would surprise <laughs> me with her at all. No, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And I, I, I remember also your uncle and myself, like, standing in a crowded bar in Sitges and singing to each other in um, Connemara style, you know, and um, great, a great memory... But yes, he was telling me so that so home was home was an English speaking home and but outside the door was 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 all Gaelgis. So that they had they had kind of almost the, the opposite of what you and my upbringing would have been, whereas where I was you know, home was Osgaelge, home was in Irish and, and outside on the street was, was in English. Um, I thought that was very interesting. So, so Charles moved to to Connemara, where the the the, the language was was Gaelic. And how was it for him? How was? Um, it's interesting because he he did a lot of social documentary painting. You know, painting people and yeah. um, people working in the land. And yeah. he had a lot of people coming and sitting for him in the studio. He had a beautiful he has a be- had a beautiful studio and yeah. he built this incredible house yeah. um, made of granite, um, which was on the based on a kind of a Breton style of painting, right. of, of building. Of building. Um, mm. And he had spent some time in Brittany painting uh, himself and also made some very beautiful paintings there of, of peasant uh, women and, uh, you know, boats and the landscape. But he was really taken with the skies and the landscape. And that's why he was drawn to... to he being, had to be there. Uh, to be there, mm. yeah. And he just thought he would need to stay there and work. And amazingly, um, my grandmother, she was a form- formidable woman, extraordinary, amazing woman. She was mm. very educated, very musical, beautiful pianist, um, just so learned. And she had come to Ireland to study veterinary they, she had wanted to study veterinary in England and they had said, no, we don't take women, but go to Dublin, they'll take anybody. <laughs> and she... Um, Savages. <laughs> along with a Miss Bisgood, um, was the third person, third woman to graduate, um, or second and third, they'd graduate in the same year um, from veterinary college in Dublin. And while she was studying in Dublin, her father had given her a gift of a Vardo uh, Romany caravan mm. you know those sort yeah. of beautiful round top yes. not the barrel top like we have but uh, it's kind of a more square it's a bit like Wonderly Wagon actually okay it's the Vardo more elaborate okay uh, Vardo it's yeah. called and um, yeah. he had given her a gift of this and she lived in that for seven years in Klonsky Castle Grounds really? while she studied in the veterinary school in Donnybrook nice. and then they travelled here and lived in it 
while they were building the house with uh, five kids. Fantastic. <laughs> so There's talk about talk about being bohemian. Like they yeah. were, they were the quintessential bohemian types of uh, of of artists. And you know, he he worked in plein air. He he cycled out the bog and you know painted and and had a studio. And people came and bought the paintings. And they lived through the war. Like here, yeah. um, he had a painting school in in Cairo, and his students used to come and stay. And mm. there was one girl who came from Canada just before the war she came to study and she got stuck and she lived mm. with them for seven years so yeah. amazing yeah really amazing yeah he was a very prolific painter as well yeah and um his brother in the north was incredibly generous to him and uh, helped him a lot you know and showed his paintings in yes. they had a gallery up in Portadown um and a lot of the great you know the Belfast boys as they were known George Campbell etc also exhibited in that gallery and um there was a great commercial sort of end to it as well from yeah. that point of view so so there was a security to a degree well, there was never real security, no. but, you know, my grandmother looked after, she never practiced as a vet, but she often looked after animals and oh, they yeah. had exchanges, oh, you know, sort yeah. of eggs. And so life locally would yeah. have been very interactive. And yeah. She actually learned Irish eventually. Yeah. Um, and spoke quite well, um, but he never did. Oh, he never did? No. Never did. And so but there would the have children been did a lot around. of translating. Well, the people that were sitting for him or wouldn't have spoken English at English all. English at all, no. okay. Um, so the children did a lot of translating. Okay. Mm. It's a bit like now, you know, when when you when people are, are coming here, you know, the new generations of Irish people where, where the parents are not fluent in English and the children are translating for them, I often think it's very similar. It really, it, it just goes back to what... What, what we were saying at the beginning is, um, you know, the, the the flexibility of the artistic mind, you know, just the, the willingness to... Adaptability as well. Adaptability, yeah. yeah. We, we were talking about that. Um, I've been talking about that over the last while as well, just in relation to COVID, because, mm. you know, I've, I've been working with glass for 35 years and mm. made a living from the day I left college, you know, in yeah. some way or other. Yeah. Um, with a little break in between where I worked for my father for uh, uh, about eight months as a, as a production assistant on, mm. on a series that he was working on. But other than that, I've been working with glass mm -hmm. um, in some way or other or in art forms in some way or other. Yeah. Um, Commission-based. A lot of commission. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you know, working on very large projects for, for buildings and... Um, you showed in Tacoma in, in Seattle, didn't yes. you? That was, that's a major thing, isn't it? Like the, Tacoma's like the the quintessential glass. museum of glass. Yes, and yeah, it's an extraordinary it's, um, an extraordinary place. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and an achievement really. And and I was very lucky to be to be included in that. Um, well, it came from a residency that I was offered in Tacoma. I was invited to teach at an international school called Pilchuk Glass School, um, which is just north of Tacoma in Seattle. And it's an extraordinary place. It's a, it's a Started by a couple of artists, wasn't it? Yes, and by, by yes, glass indeed, artists. Um, and Dale Chihuly. And um, 
they created this space where where people could go and live for for a number of weeks and study glass with uh, with different kinds Masters. of people. Yeah. yeah, and I was invited to go there and teach. Um, and as part of that, the Museum of Glass then invited me to take a residency in the museum. And um, the the idea around the residency is that there's a hot glass workshop there, and you can work with a team of people, um, four mm. or five men, women, um, who can make things that you may not make if you were working by yourself. Right. And so I thought this was an extraordinary opportunity to direct. try and do something. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I had been working as an advocate about the demise of glass um, making in Ireland for, you know, for many, many years. Yeah, most obviously in Waterford. In Waterford, but also, you know, if you think back, there were incredible factories in um, Cavan and Galway, Galway. Fermanagh. Yeah. Um, you know, there were there were so many. Glass, glass was such a signature of Ireland. And mm. now there's, you know, such a small, um, a small, it, this is, I'm talking about industrial, create, you know, crystal cutting, etc. Um, yeah. There are so few people now working in that. And I had been advocating about this you know, what's going to happen and how we're going to keep this together and, you know, what, yeah. what's the future of glass in Ireland. So for this residency then, I decided that it would be an opportunity to try and create something to make a much bigger statement about that work that I mm. had been doing. And I asked uh, three master craftsmen from the Washford Crystal Factory, um, would they be interested in working with me on an exhibition project um, and I had sort of set my ha my sights on the National Museum of Ireland. And I had had conversations with Pat Wallace and, and the director at the time and, you know, about doing this and how important it was. And I got a bursary from um, the Crafts Council of Ireland, which was very important at the time, um, to go and study glass cutting in other countries and to start to, cre to create work um, around that. So I went to the Czech Republic and, you know, I spent a lot of time really researching into the whole history of glass and mm. because our two countries are connected, you know, um, yeah. from a glass point of view. There were yeah. many, many, many foreign workers who came to Waterford and taught Irish masters to, to mm. make the glass. And that's why we have a sort of that Eastern European Particular style, style yeah. yes. So anyway, I'd asked these three master cutters that I knew from going up and down to the factory, would they be interested? And they said, yeah, sure, we'd love to, you know, get involved in something like that. So for this residency in Tacoma that I had been given, which was um, a 10-day residency, I decided that I would make these blanks um, that I would then ship back to Dublin and... Um, spread down to Wexford, Waterford and Kilkenny where these lads were and um, one of them was a designer in his own right and the other two were um, engravers, you know, who would have a certain amount of design um, uh, authority within the factory when they were working. But not really have huge artistic freedom from the point of view of what they could make because mm. it always had to be a commercial item. So it ended up that we were talking about, you know, trying to get to the essence of what it was to have Irish glass and what that meant and what it meant to them. And we ended up sort of storytelling about their life in the factory through mm. these works. Mm. Okay, the, yes. the exhibition, and, and of course, that's where I started making the sound objects then because yeah. I myself wanted to talk about sound and the sound of glass and I remember Fred um, saying, Fred Curtis, um, the master cutter, um, saying to me that when the factory closed down, you know, he had left the factory, he'd taken redundancy earlier than the, than the actual closure of the factory oh. and when he went back into the factory, what struck him most was the silence 
because in this factory there were 600 people cutting and screaming, cutting wheels, you know, um, all these machines going all the time, you know. Mm. I'm sure nobody wore earphones or anything at the time, but, you know, there was just this noise. And when he walked into these huge halls, they were like cathedrals, um, the factory, there was just nothing. And that really struck me as a a sound in itself, you know. And uh, I wanted to capture, you know, in the glass workshop is always sound. As You know, it's breaking glass, there's pipes moving around, there's water quenching, there's, you know, a whole myriad of sounds but um, the actual sound of glass itself was so intriguing that I wanted to make um, those pieces and that's how I started and that's you know I, I asked you to to, uh, yeah. to try these pieces after that and then I went back later I had another residency there afterwards and, and made more of those beautiful lyre shapes and you know mm. other other pieces and I think what's really exciting about you know, making work with that. What were we trying to do with making that work? You know, what what was the the idea around it was, you know, how you could create atmosphere with this glass and yeah. what can you create um, to do that? And I think one of the extraordinary things that we share is there's, you know, there's an incredible, what, what I would call amum, um, soul mm-hmm. um, to Irish music and to Irish culture that can't really be defined. It's a feeling more than anything else. Yeah. And I think with the glass that hits you inside yourself in some way that is um, also indescribable in that way when you hear that sound. Say hello to Independent Weekend Home Delivery. Save up to 40% with the Irish Independent and Sunday Independent delivered to your door every weekend. Plus, enjoy premium access to independent.ie and read our interactive e-paper edition all week long. All from just €5 per week. Search for Independent Home Delivery now. Here's your chance to win a top-of-the-range smartphone, a Doro 8050, designed specifically for seniors. Doro are market leaders in creating phones with clearer sound and larger text, one that's protected if it falls or can alert others if you do, and makes staying in touch with family and friends simple and enjoyable. At Doro, they are dedicated to helping seniors live a better life without compromise. Doro help to make ageing an independent, secure and rich part of life. As you know, age is just a number. All you need to do to win a Doro 8050 smartphone, kindly provided by Doro, is go to the website www.seniortimes.ie and follow the instructions. To see the full range of Doro phones, visit www.doro.com. The lucky winner will be announced on the Senior Times Facebook page. Doro Phones, making technology easy for all. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway. Keeping Ireland connected. I think that's why people make art anyway, isn't it? It's, it's to describe the indescribable. It's to, to, to express, to utter. To move, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. To move people. And to move yourself first, I oh, think, yeah. is important. Yeah. As a musician, I need to be moved myself. And if I'm moved, then I'm not lying to anybody. And if you, if no one else is feeling it, well, they're not feeling. You know, I have to feel, I have to feel the thing myself. Long was peace in my 
Gurdul doing of a kind of in a good Chanel and Gona and Tangan and Lowermoods. Tomensho, Termain Oscar Ganesha, Tomensho, La Rochine de Butler, August Tomas a kind sir, Horsi Aline, Vim, um, Cursi Glinne, Alintor, Leglinne, Sherochine, August, um, well, Rudhu, who Hamadam Lehele, Seattle, Agtop, Tometresha Amahavanish, Ida, Ida, Holod or Fechens. A gobberlat le le urlishirinatu le PC Aline atof glor le buins asta agus misher marchiotor buins a denev mochide con conkeol of buins as urlish. It was the urlish and show mar humpla on yop yop agus. Ach ve fechensert a gober mar ebrahor glinne. Fechens er Kada Hoganshe mar dinne anyanen achids. Current to Sheshin the Horalor. Sheshin and Rudinen to Agus. Sha, em Ulusat Ovima Anokta Tama Hesheva Antokila Leshanov or a hain and Gonya hain. Agus Solim Nach Mohimals Nach Rin as Turmi Gabrah. so Shinkang Rudy is 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 for the shears, Dahi. Agus um 
Stratford-Avon-Tamachapan-Rudkin-Marshan. <laughs> Um, Han <laughs> <laughs> So you talk about fashion when it's had sets, kill, Auckland, um, no. Solace. There's a lot of things. 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 There's Agastasha <laughs> Seattle. Um, agus tukan siyad kuryga aliantori hacht amuna gadini agus tukan siyad kuryga aliantori yale hacht agus rinch ama a chahanchin agus um, 
an seal an hulanya dar hor tisach ar pain agus rud a kinti an alhap agus shinn shans for tisachal agus shinn shans for mishad dal toshkarom elatze isiatl agus kawrom el ta far ban funyavachishato agus ta agus malantu mra funyavach teampolart dina funyavach kutina ach vi scatamad of the varav intakh saul siatlogus kujako ernakhus paula dinak of paula stokes stokes yeah ban ban whirlwind the van agus istolem gurvi gurbi shina dortlom you know you must do you must do the residency so humegudi anarchogus we should say sir no holiday camperly like vi 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 Chalets Belgae Garten of Rough and Ready, because Hulalaw, the chance Ubru, Leshen, Leshen Linogus, the Bertsagum of the Mostrach Dakler and Erin Gairds, so we Rename Picturia, because Laura Murphy, Trail of Vince's show, so Rename Flute, Augusta Kellan Show, says Anna Anna Him Clean, Nilach Paul Rafaul, Paul de Gavon, August Paul Erawara, Arts in the Hayden too. August so we lower to me to she says her nose glaich ni neil rich neil um neil melody ni you know neil and neil 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 she went to the fine ach just
Oshin Gramagat. Gurumilva.